Hi everybody, it's Sunday, May 15th, and uh, today I decided to do something a little bit different. Even though every day we do do our Spanish, we're going to talk about motivation and how to succeed and the principles that I've followed for the last 40 years of my life and has carried me through the darkest times and the richest times of my life. I've often tell people that you have to pretend that you're floating down a turbulent river where the banks oftentimes are far apart and you're on your Tom Sawyer raft with no hutch next to you or huck next to you and you're on your own. You float down the river and you deal with turbulent day times every step of the way, every inch, every hour, every minute. And then, lo and behold, you look down the road and you see somebody swimming, so you put them up on your raft, and lo and behold, it's Huck. You get on the river raft, you float down the river, and you two have a great time, and then all of a sudden you see an obstacle in the road, so you both challenge it together, and you test the path of friendship. As you move down that path, you go to a different stumbling block. And then before you know it, you see more people cheering you on because they see you going down that turbulent raft and they want to help you. So you move along, you have new people who help you. They throw you sacks of lunches. They give you an opportunity and you take that opportunity and without taking advantage of it or being opportunistic about the next opportunity, you enjoy it. And the people who give you also enjoy the satisfaction of helping you. You take that and you go down the road. And before you know it, you come to a narrow edge and you both decide this is a stopping point. So you stop your float. You get off your raft. And you enjoy the time and people that you have while you're there. But something in your heart is telling you there's a bigger path down the road. So you talk to your partner and you say, hey, dude, uh, I'm going to move on. It's time for me to go. So you jump on the barge. He says, farewell. He decides to stay. The people all cry and you leave. You float down the river. It becomes turbulent again. You find yourself in the same spot you were before. And you start asking yourself, what am I doing? Why did I decide to move on when I had such a comfort life where I was? So you contemplate sitting alone on your raft. You could have just been well, been in a prison cell. You could have been very well in the throngs of a kidnapper who's tied you down and put you in their basement. You could have been in the bunkers of a war that you didn't want to fight. You can be in the middle of a meeting in which you know everybody is wrong for working selfish reasons and you're sitting there alone saying to yourself, what am I doing? This is the important juncture of the road that we all have to come to. And we have to use our instincts to decide what to do next. We have to validate those instincts and decide if your instincts are emotional, are they ego-driven, are they money-driven, are they family-driven, are they other-driven? And you have to decide all of those things before you make your decision. And because when you put all that input, you may decide because of family reasons, you're not going to go there. But because it's your 
um, financial reasons you can't go there. Or you're going to have to decide it's because your conviction and what you believe and what you know to be true gives you the opportunity that you feel is out there. So you have to speak up. And you tell that group, you're wrong. Sorry, guys. You're absolutely wrong. That day will be the day that you become a leader. That doesn't mean every loudmouth person is a leader because oftentimes people will say things out of their breath to show visibility and try to be important. That doesn't make you a leader. Hitler used preposterous statements to maneuver and manipulate doubt in people's minds. But because he controlled the media and he controlled every people around him because he surrounded himself around people who would do what he said. Because of this, he was able to manipulate and kill at will. Now remember, his killing was justified. So remember, when you have lawmakers making laws, they are justifying their actions or the actions they feel the people around them should succumb to. So they take the goodwill of the people and they modify it for their interest and their interest is always in the whole. But what if that isn't true? What if their perception of the whole is like you sitting in a room with 20 people who are all saying the wrong thing in unison, but you know what they're saying is wrong? How do you know that the three principles that you're living by, your instincts, your validation of those instincts, and the openness of your mind of those instincts to challenge yourself and allow others to challenge you are always right. Is there not? As we get new information, we shift our ideas and thoughts to different ideas. In fact, that's what has been given us, a brain. An animal in the forest does not kill other animals to kill. An animal in the forest does not take a child out of its womb because it needs to eat. Yes, there are true that some animals do eat themselves after birth, but that's a different instinct and you need to follow why that is done. Back to success. I firmly believe there are two people, two real different types of people in the world. Those who lead and those who follow. Now, those who follow can, can be broken down into two more groups. Those who comply and those who follow. There's a big difference between complying and following 
and simply following. People who follow don't have consciousness of what's happening around them. They're uneducated, and oftentimes they have chosen the greater good of their own personal being than the greater good of the things around them. People who comply and follow have a vested interest in following. Right now, we have a lot of politicians on both sides of the aisle that are complying and following. They're complying because they have an intelligence and special interest. The one thing we can say about American politics today is 90% of the people who are politicians are, in fact, upper educated, most of them with lawyer degrees. So what that means is they are doing exactly what they want to do. Don't get it wrong. If you do, then you are truly a follower because you don't have enough information to comply and follow. The third group or the first group are leaders. Leaders are always and only, always and only misunderstood because the comply followers and the followers are manipulating that person because they don't want that person to succeed because they only know how to comply, follow, or follow. True leaders find opportunities where none existed. They find ways to the other side, just like my wrath story. And they always have a greater calling that is not driven by man. Is driven by their heart. I have yet to see a woman, even on the island or garden of Adam and Eve, who's not had a voice. There are all these thoughts and ideas that women are, are, are pushed down. But when they were pushed down, as you call this, they also were given the gift of a man to support them. Think about that for a second. The original sin, the original sin was not from man. It was from a woman. There's a movie I saw from here in Mexico 1960, it was made, went to the Academy Awards, didn't win. That movie, Contifas, I believe it was, but no, Contifas is a comedian. Uh, what's that movie? I'll think about it in a second. That movie, I call it the original sin. The reason why I call it the original sin is it was the woman who stole from the wealthy to give to her husband because she wanted him to eat when he was sacrificing his whole life to provide. Think about that for a second. Was she doing something wrong? 
Was she acting selfishly or selflessly? What was it that motivated her to act in a way that was against the family that she was working for? And why is it justified? The reason why I bring this story up is because I'm often hearing about women don't have a right or not given choices. For God's sake, in today's world, women are allowed to abort a child at no question to the man. Because they make the baby in the womb. But they've contorted make. There would be no child without a man. One does not own something by possession alone. In our law, Western law, nine-tenths of the law means you own it. The one-tenth, though, if mitigated or litigated, can show that, in fact, you're wrong. Let's get back to my original story. Success and how you get there. The most important thing that you can do to be successful is to validate your instincts, not selfishly act on it, but selflessly understand your position. I want to say this, and it's a big thing to say. Capitalism is the antithesis of God. Capitalism is the antithesis of God. What does that mean? Capitalism is compute, complete selfishness in terms of buying and selling goods. That is the only thing capitalism is. The concept of God is about selflessness, selfishness, selfishness, selfishness. And the good of a higher being helping you help others in the time of need. In fact, many of our laws before the last 20, before the last 20 years have been based around this very principle. But that has been killed. Killed by capitalism. The antithesis of God. What do you mean? What are you talking about, Mike? Put it together. If capitalism could take God out of the formula, it can justify any action as it pertains to the growth of business. It can justify murder. It can justify taking away and giving to others for the better good. It can justify the cause of creating a pandemic to kill all.
But what's the end? I often sit down and I think out what's the end. If capitalism and globalism win, what's the end? Think about that for a second. If capitalism and globalism wins, what's the end? The globalists kill each other? Really? What's the end? That is the end. Because of their capitalistic, opportunistic ways, there is no other end. Now, I understand people who live in high houses don't have to justify these acts because they're living in high houses. I understand the people who are in the echelon don't have to worry about the poor because it's the poor that they're taking from to satisfy their capitalistic, opportunistic, non-godly needs. Through the history of time, the Catholic Church and religious leaders have migrated from helping the people to helping themselves and justifying such cases. The godliness of life is removed by capitalism in order to justify its actions. So death of a child means nothing to the capitalist. In fact, to the capitalist, it's justified because it's an ends to a means. We murder cows every day. We murder chickens every day. We strip the forest of the oxygen and life that gives us. These can be thought of as capitalistic terms. They're capitalistic in the tense that they are needed to give life that we are relying on. In one hand, we have a group of people who say we have to save the world, but in the opposite, they're killing the world for capitalistic means. What part of this makes no sense? Am I getting wrong? Please, if you see it, tell me. What part of this dialogue is fucked up? I'm going to propose all of it is. If capitalism's own goal is to rule the world with a small group of people, then I challenge that world who are going to kill next. Each other? Are you going to live in unison and happy harmony? Are you all going to watch Disney movies together in its iconic images? Are you all going to sit together and share Netflix? Are you all going to write the same newspapers and wonder who didn't write it? Are you all not going to allow yourself to be challenged to new ideas because you are nothing but a capitalist? No, I'm not a socialist. I truly am a capitalist. 
But I don't believe capitalism has to be the antithesis of God. And it's clear. Sitting from Mexico City in my safe bunker as I look out to the United States and seeing what's happening in the world, I am shocked.